We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, hotties? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Hot. I'm Bladen Kirk, joined as always by my two favorite co-hosts of all time in Matthew Sponauer and Theo Ash. We have a great episode planned for you all today as we're doing something that we haven't done in quite a while as we're doing a listener mailbag episode with questions from our chalkboard chat. And if you don't know what the chalkboard is, the link should be in the description of the YouTube or you can just go download the chalkboard app and search up Stay Hot and go join the Stay Hot Chalkboard group, and you can ask some of these questions, and we will answer them in the future, hopefully. But before we get into that, Matt, Theo, how are you guys doing today? We're getting dangerously close to 5,000 people in that chat. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, I forgot, I forgot about that. <laughs> I downloaded Chalkboard again. I, I didn't realize that I didn't have it because I got a new phone and all my apps re-downloaded, but yeah. it didn't log me into the chalkboard. Where are we at right now? So I wasn't oh, getting shit. that at everybody. Uh, and I thought the chat was just dead. I was like, damn. Really now we have no 4,213 no But then I realized I was just logged out. For those who don't know, I, I made a pledge that <laughs> the chalkboard would be able to vote <laughs> and determine everything I do in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Which, <laughs> to now, an extent, shave your head you get, and you adopt get to, a dog or something. Yeah, awesome. like you can't. You can't. Do you say adopt a dog? <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. They would get to choose the breed. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. I'd, I'd walk away with the ugliest mutt. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have like three or four pit bulls. Three right or in four the <laughs> I'd get those dangerous ones. I just like hate me. <laughs> Bro's gonna have three pit bulls, four kittens. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day I'll have three pit bulls. I didn't realize how, how many we had in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of dogs, my, my mom's dog is downstairs howling. So if you hear any howling, I promise it's not me. It's my mom's dog that has separation anxiety. And I believe she's gone for a walk. So uh, downstairs in the living room, uh, Since when Nelly you have a dog, has I thought you just had your horrible cat. I have, I don't have a horrible cat. I have a very good cat <laughs> that's actually sitting on my that's bed. That's not right what I now. heard. <laughs> you heard wrong. <laughs> I'm afraid. My cat is sweet. My cat chills with me all day. But Nelly is, is my mom's dog that she got relatively recently. And yeah. she's downstairs. I, I remember. What kind of dog is it? It's like one of those little white poodly dogs. Oh. Yeah. It's All a I good remember dog, though, about Matt's heart. cat, the, la- the most vivid memory I have of Matt's cat, which is why I can never give it an F-tier rating, is when it killed a brown recluse. Yeah, there's a spider in the basement that it got. My my, my cat's, a, like, it's been called mid before, but it's <laughs> low-key a W in my book. It is. Hey, anything that kills a spider is a W for me. Right. That's so, what that's what's going on with me today. He's just hearing the dog howl. But we can hop into this listener mailbag. We got some questions from the chalkboard again. Make sure you go and join that so we can get to 5,000. You guys can tell Theo what to do. But starting off with a question from Dynamical, which do you think was a better defensive coordinator signing? Fangio to Miami or Flores to Minnesota? I'm partial to Flores. 
You know, I've been wanting to see him get a job for a while now. So I'll, I'll throw to one of you guys first, uh, Matt. Where, where, where are you kind of leaning on these uh, on these new defensive coordinators? This is a tough one because it's two defenses kind of going in different directions. You've got a Vikings defense that was very base heavy, now probably not going to be like that, going to blitz a whole lot. And then you've got a Miami defense that maybe some would argue blitz too much or in ways that were incredibly stupid, um, maybe leaning a little bit away from from that. Um, yes, they just switched philosophies, which is very funny. One was like, oh, this Fangio stuff, terrible. Give me give me a Dolphins guy. And then the Dolphins were like, oh, this Brian Flores stuff doesn't work. Give me a Fangio guy. <laughs> Yeah, Although, when you have no corners, that that typically doesn't work. <laughs> oh, I mean, both of these teams are having problems at cornerback. Right. And I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this one. I'd say I'd be a little bit more excited to see Flores with the Vikings. I think spicing up that defense some is desperately needed. And you could argue that both teams, maybe their core problem is just a, a talent thing straight up. But you saw... Flores put together some really good defense and some really good yeah. pass rushes with maybe not the craziest pass rushing talent ever. And if I were the Vikings, I, I could see the defense taking a serious step and the team being a lot more serious because of it. I like teams that zig when everyone else zags. I mean, every defense in the league has a Fangio guy running it these days. I mean, the fact that you get the real Vic Fangio to run it is good for the Dolphins. But I mean, oh my God, it seems like... <laughs> Every single coordinator hire or coaching hire made in the last like two years involves like someone who worked with Fangio at one point. So I enjoy going in a bit of a different direction. I think it's more fun to watch guys who will just man up and, and blitz. I, I, I respect that defense and um, it's, it's a little bit different. I think that the league is cyclical and when teams are seeing Fangio too high, you know, quarters looks every single week eventually they're going to get better and better and better against it and then you're going to have a guy like flores that's completely different in blitzing you and i i think that eventually the fangio stuff is gonna fall out of style because that's just the way things go and i don't think it'll happen next year but overall i'm a little bit it's it's tough to get too excited when Fangio stuff is just everywhere. <laughs> he stayed like, okay, yeah. you are running the Fangio defense just like everybody else. And I, I think it's a good hire. Like Fangio is very good. Everyone runs his stuff for a reason. You know, there's answers against basically anything in it. But um, I, I'm a little bit more excited for Flores for sure. Yeah, I, I think at least with Flores, the one thing you look at in Miami is like, oh, well, their defense is... Wasn't wasn't serious this year, Matt, with baby's first blitz type stuff going on. Um, but, you know, Flores wasn't there this year. So they were kind of just r- feel like running a lot of the residuals. Right. And as opposed to Flores, I feel like can adapt more. Right. Because yeah, he's, opening- he's from that Bel- He's from the Belichick tree. Right. So I look at like if Belichick's a defensive guy and Flores is a, defen- is a, is a defensive guy. I'm like, well, I trust I trust you to know what you have and work with and try and get the best out of those guys. He answered a question at his opening presser. He was asked if they're going to run a four, three or a three, four. And he said, who are we playing? You know, he, he knows how to be multiple. He followed it up with then saying three, four. So uh, (laughs) maybe he was joking, but yeah, he's some like you would never hear ed donatel say that like they're never going to switch it up based on the opponent they play they're just going to play their conservative like stuff they're going to play the too high they're going to play quarters they're going to play a bunch of zone and they didn't really have the corners to play man this year outside of maybe patrick peterson but yeah i i think that flores will be a a boon for the defense and it will certainly make it a lot more interesting to watch that's for sure he would not have folded to daniel jones and the giants so easily uh whereas i think boyer in the playoffs whereas his scheme and his plan to blitz josh allen didn't ultimately work they let up a lot of points i thought it was the more well thought out game plan where it's like man i'm just gonna blitz him and make him 
tempt him to throw the hero ball and see if he makes mistakes and not let him scramble. Like I, I yeah. got where they were coming from more than Donatel. So I think Boyer was better than Donatel was. So the, the upgrade isn't as stark in my opinion. So that again, yeah. point, point goes to the Vikings and point goes to Flores. But I think that the Dolphins will be like, I don't want to say like, I don't like the fans. Oh, the higher. Dolphins, they stink now, actually. <laughs> And I'm just glad Flores got another chance. I, I really thought oh, yeah. that he might get banished to the Shadow Realm after, you know, speaking out against the league's like extremely yeah. questionable and, and racist hiring practices. I thought for sure they would they would just like send him to the Big Twelve or something to do his exotic blitz packages over there. But instead, uh, he's continuing to work him, himself back up the ladder. So hopefully, he gets a, another shot at this thing because I yeah. I do think that he's a good coach. Brian Flores leading the one good defense in the Big 12. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I thought that was his his path. (laughs) Cincinnati. Uh, Next question is from the football hotline. If you had to build an NFL team around a non-quarterback player, who would you choose? Who would you choose, Bladen? This one's an easy one for me. Okay, Matt, who, who are you taking? Justin Jefferson, no question. I was, you're probably going receiver. Especially if we're taking into account age. I mean, dude, I love Jamar Chase, but I mean, Justin Jefferson just won offensive player of the year. We saw him win games kind of single-handedly a couple of times this year. Wide receiver is, has a very good argument for being the second most valuable position. And he's on like a hall of fame career path right now. And what he's like 23, 24. I'd go with Justin Jefferson. I could give you more fun answers. Uh, like like Tyreek Hill, maybe if if that's what you wanted to do and you didn't care about age, or Bosa or, or TJ Watt if you didn't care about age. But ultimately, like no one's got the super elite at an important position that's not quarterback right. at a young age like Jefferson. Yeah, I Jefferson's think- gunning for like top five receiver all time. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. he's he is going he's for it. He's on he's pace. Sick. He's on pace. So I think it, that I would agree. Yeah. It, it's hard even to consider another position other than receiver. I could right? see edge. I could definitely I don't know. see I edge. Like, edge, like edge, I could, edge I could kind of understand. I thought about Micah's corner. I thought about like maybe sauce or something. But yes. the, the one problem with corner is you don't really get to choose here. Like they can just move guys around and create mismatches. You can't follow everywhere. Um, so it's like to, to an extent they can still just kind of go away from you. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah. It's probably Jefferson. I think, I I, I think I would consider another position if there was someone on pace to be top five all time at that position who is like 23 or 24 years old. But I, I just can't think of any guys who are like that around the league right now, besides maybe Micah. And yeah. that would be my other answer. Garrett's like Maybe. 26 or 27. Garrett's a little older than those guys. Garrett would be a, a, a fine pick. He's an amazing yeah. player. So would Watt, so would Bosa. But right now, it would. I think it would have to be Jefferson. I think that he's the, the, best, young, the best young player in the league. The best player. I think he's under 25. He's got to be. The best under twenty five player in the league. Um, I mean, if I mean, if you wanted to go under twenty five, I mean, Jamar is also in that conversation. Jamar's as up well. there too. Yeah, um, you talk about guys that can basically jump started that Bengals offense single handedly. Right. So, yeah, it's it's almost certainly going to be a receiver, and so you can kind of pick your poison with you know who you want there. Um, the next question then comes from N Black two six seven. Out of the all the fantasy team- dynasty league winner, I believe of the chalkboard channel, my dynasty league. Oh, did I he believe, win the dynasty league? I believe that he did. And then everyone wanted to I bring gotta, him on the podcast. And I don't think we're going to do that. Sadly, we, but, we never, we never ended up shouting out who won the, the stay hot fantasy league. <laughs> so we'll I'm do gonna, that next time we'll do that next time time. we'll do that sometime in june keep (laughs) keep your ears keep your ears open but the the champion was dom was and black yes his team after he traded justin jefferson away in this in this dynasty league 
for Terry yeah. McLaurin and Nick Chubb, and everyone wanted me to um, veto the deal, but I will never veto a deal. So it went through. W commissioner. And then he ended up winning the whole thing after trading Jefferson away a dynasty. We talk about we talk about who we'd rather have, uh, or any if we could have anyone, who would we have? Uh Nick Black, or I guess I don't know if his name is Nick, but N Black 267 is uh is disagreeing with our premise here, and he he thinks that Justin Jefferson is a tradable asset, and he was uh correct. So anyway, I just in need fantasy, to shout out. No. I need fantasy. to shout out N Black two six seven. So true. Um. Okay. So his question was: Out of all the teams with new coaches, who do we think will make the playoffs? So, so what teams are those? That's the Colts. Well, there's the an obvious one. What? There's an obvious one here. The Panthers, then, right? <laughs> it's gonna be the Panthers. It's gotta be. I mean, you look at the other situation: Broncos. Maybe, dude. I mean, I like Sean Payton in the as much AFC. As the next guy. No it's chance. Tough. I think <laughs> it, it, not even in the AFC, bro. In the AFC West. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're gonna be, you're gonna be the the third team in that, that right. division. At, I fear. We've best. got uh, the Colts ass. Um, the Cardinals. <laughs> No, <laughs> like who on. else? The Texans not happening. <laughs> and then we have the Carolina Panthers who are in a uh, legendarily dog shit division. <laughs> Their coaching staff. I will hires. be telling my kids about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about the 2022 or 2023, 2024 NFC. South. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. If they get a quarterback, I mean that team. That team almost made the playoffs last year, and they they had Matt Rule as head coach going into the season. This speaks volumes. <laughs> I I don't think the Panthers are going to be that great next year, but their path I think is so much easier than everybody else's. And if they get a real quarterback at all, I think they're going to be a nine win team. You're winning the Super Bowl with Derek Carr, I fear. <laughs> mm, we're not gonna have Derek Carr, but yeah. If you, yeah, if I think you that that's Derek the, Carr, I'm putting like a dollar on the Panthers to win the Super Bowl. That'd be silly. I think that's the obvious answer. I, I could maybe see a world where like, you know, maybe if the Colts draft a, a rookie of the year type of quarterback, they've got the roster maybe. to 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 make a wild card run or challenge the Jaguars potentially. But Overall, it's 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 pretty easily the the Panthers here. If you look at the path, yeah. it the AFC is so tough. It seems like Kyler will be returning about mid season for the Cardinals, right. mm-hmm. so um, they're probably not making it. Sadly, so yeah. yeah, I think the Panthers are are a pretty easy one. <sighs> Congratulations, Matt. Yeah. Next question is from. Kandat Z, I don't Kandat, I don't know how to print I don't know, man. Do the Rams still have a shot at being a contending team? I was thinking no. about this uh a while like yesterday, because I was recording my Madden video and I had to go in and restructure two whole rosters. But when you're like editing rosters in Madden, you have to also make the cap work for some reason, even if you're not in a franchise mode. And I had to move around multiple Rams players. And I realized that like Ramsey, Donald, <laughs> Cup, and Stafford are all like top three in cap hit at their it's like ridiculous how much they're spending on f- like four guys. Yeah, go look at their cap hit in the year they won the Super Bowl and go look at their cap hit now. I swear to God, Ramsey was making like under ten million dollars a year that season. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if they wanted to get really, 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 really aggressive and they wanted to restructure a trillion contracts, I mean, any team at any time can do that. But I would say coming off a bad Stafford season, even if he looks better, I don't trust the offensive line or the run game at all. They don't have their first round draft pick. They're paying Donald and Ramsey and Cup all a whole bunch of money who are still great at their positions. But I think the whole scrubs and stars thing that they've built the scrubs are taking over, I fear. And I, I don't see them as a serious contender when you've got teams that are a lot more complete and like 
the 49ers or yeah. the Eagles or any, you know, a lot of teams out in the AFC. Yeah, I definitely think they can be better than they were this year. I mean, they mm-hmm. had horrible injury luck at the end of the season. There was it was a skeleton crew. It was no Donald. It was no Cup. It was no Stafford. Right. Like they were starting <laughs> Bryce Perkins for God's sakes. So <laughs> it can definitely get better. But man, you look at the roster, and there's a very real chance they're forced to move on from from Jalen Ramsey this year to make things work. Um, he's the most tradable asset that they have, and they just don't have any young talent they don't have a first round pick so it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if if he was gone in the offensive line the running game the secondary uh, even the pass rush outside of donald it all needs to be overhauled so i i don't think they're contending for a super bowl maybe they can contend for a wild card if if stafford stays healthy the whole time and donald plays like a defensive player of the year candidate again and, and cup stays healthy and contends for offensive player of the years there's still enough star power there to to win some games right. but to to be the best team in the league i don't see it i think they won it when they were the best team in the league and that's all they had in them. That's all they had in the yeah. tank in terms of it's, and, it's, this is not going to be any kind of dynasty. So, um, and, and that's okay. You, you got, you got your ring. You got the ring. You, it's you, okay. You sold your soul to the devil to get a Super Bowl and you got it. All right. You're now paying the price. And, and that's, that's okay. Right. We've talked about this yep. before. It's like, this was, this is what was going to happen. Right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I agree. They did re-sign Stafford, so you'd hoped it would have been a, a bit of a longer run as long as you had him. Like that was his first year. They didn't trade him to, for a one-year window, yeah. you know. But that's just kind of the way it ended yes. up going. Um, that's just kind of the way it ended up going. And with his elbow issues and contemplating retirement potentially, like it, it just they were really lucky they got that ring than they when they did because. If not, <laughs> that trade could have been viewed I mean, as how very old is bad. Stafford at this point, probably about thirty-three years old. He is thirty-five. Guess. Dang! Right? Yeah, so, man. I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> they could. I guess I, I I find it pretty hard to pretty hard to see. Yeah, it's okay though. You got your ring. You you can you can sit pretty for a few years. And rejoice over that. And maybe you'll be like the Eagles, and in five years you'll be back. Who knows? Right. This episode of Stay Hot is brought to you by our friends over at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And if you're like me, trying to eat healthy on a college student's budget, look no further than HelloFresh. Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions ready in less than 15 minutes. You'll love just how fast, easy, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. And with ingredients that travel from the farm to your table in less than seven days, you know HelloFresh is hooking you up with ingredients more fresh than a Joe Burrow pregame fit. I love HelloFresh. I love whipping up some food for myself and my girlfriend. So go on over to HelloFresh.com slash StayHot65 and use the code StayHot65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash StayHot65 and use the code StayHot65 for HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Next question comes from P. Miller 37. And Matt, I'm going to throw to you right off the bat. Are the Lakers contenders? No, probably not. <laughs> but They're, Bron Bron. But Bron Bron. Well, I don't want to doubt the king. Um, I think you can doubt everyone is, else. It's pretty, pretty, pretty tough. Now, I really like what they did at the deadline. Their their depth is a whole lot better than it's been before, but and, and like they're good enough and they've got the star power. Where I guess if you wanted to call them a fringe contender, where it's like if they get the breaks, they could make the finals in a West that's kind of wonky. I don't know if I can quite disagree with that, but like, dude, 
there, there's not that much time left in the season, and there's really no reason to believe the Lakers are going to get the breaks, mostly with their injury luck. I mean, I think they still have problems. When you talk about like them versus like a Celtics or a Bucks, they still have problems where they have to choose whether or not they want to put out good defenders or shooters because they really lack guys who are both. Even with all the trades they made, they really lack guys who are both. I think they're a lot better now, but they're going to be in the play-ins best-case scenario. They're not a playoff team as it stands currently. Well, they're the 13th seed. (laughs) Not only are they not a playoff team, yeah. So you've got, even if they sneak into the play-ins at the 10, I mean, it's so easy to get bounced if you're the 10th seed. you got to go win back-to-back road games. And while it may seem like, ah, yeah, but who's it going to be against? It's going to be against like the Warriors or the Pelicans or the Timberwolves. Very real teams. It's not like, oh, some some years in the East, it's, you know, whoever, you know, you're you're playing the Hornets in the first game or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, we're not going to lose that. But no, they'd have to go play real teams. And then even if they make it as a 10 seed, you're going Nuggets round one. And you could go the best three teams straight in a row. And all that time, you're hoping that, no Anthony Davis injury happens. No Anthony Davis, like all of a sudden playing terribly happens, which he's been so up and down this year. I don't know what to tell you. You're you're relying on your best player who's 38 years old, just being perfectly healthy. And while LeBron has, you know, uh, been an Iron Man for a long time, he's kind of at the point where he's not really anymore. So uh, there's no, they're going to have one of the harder paths to getting there of any team that's trying to contend. They're particularly injury prone. I I think there's problems with their role players still. They're better. And if we were starting the season over with this roster and played it all the way through, I think they could be like a five seed. And then, okay, you can sort of see the vision. Right now, it's really tough. And I still don't think they're a better team than the Nuggets or the Suns. So, yeah. And I look at, you know, who is in the West right now. It's like right now the top eight seeds are the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Clippers, the Suns, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, and the Timberwolves. And like all of those teams are arguably better than the Lakers. And then above the Lakers also, you've got the Warriors, the Thunder, the Jazz, and the Trailblazers. The only two teams the Lakers are above in the West are the miserable Spurs and the horrible Rockets. So yeah, it's, it's just tough to see them displacing all of those teams, then winning a seven-game series against like a one seed, then winning another seven-game series, then winning right. another seven-game series, then winning what, another seven-game series? Is that all the seven-game series that you need to win the finals? Like, I, I just, that, that would be a... T- to look at where they are now to where that is, that would be the biggest end-of-season, post-All-Star break jump in NBA history. And if anyone can do it, it's, I guess, LeBron and, you know, Anthony Davis. And you think about that star pairing at its peak. And then you're right, Matt, they did add a bunch of role players at the deadline. I mean, how much, how far below are they from the Suns who have their big three and then a bunch of horrible depth and and not many, like, high-end role players, right? So, if again, if you were starting the season over, you could see it, but the Suns are starting from the point where they're the five seed or the four seed. They're the five seed and their roster is probably overall better. And the the Lakers are starting from the point where they're the 13 seed and they've got two stars instead of three and they're the 13 seed. So yeah, there may be a dark horse. I think I wouldn't put it past LeBron to charge. I mean, they're only what like they're at 27 wins and the Thunder are at 28. So could they definitely get in the play-ins? Yes. Could they win the play-ins? Yes. Could they give the Nuggets absolute hell? Yes, it's all possible. But I, I don't think it's probable that they're contenders and actually pull the thing off. It, it's just, it would be a lot, you know. It would it just need a lot. If you're talking about a team getting injury luck who's at like a play-in level team, I'd I'd take the Pelicans, but even them themselves, I mean, do you really trust them to get the injury breaks when their best player is Zion Williamson? I don't. So right. I would I would say that you have to you have to be looking through pretty yellow and purple tinted glasses to think that they're gonna make a run to the finals, unfortunately. As much as I'd like to see it happen because I'm a LeBron guy, but maybe next year. Maybe next year it'll be time for Braun Braun. All right, we have uh, another NFL question from Ioni, I think is how you say that. I never understand some of these 
some of these names, man. You just got to get oh, at your best guess and say it with conviction. And even if it's totally it's, wrong, who apparently cares? It's it's apparently it's Lonnie. Apparently it's <laughs> Lonnie. <laughs> okay. No, it was like, it's in Arial font. So it was like a lowercase L, but I was like, oh, maybe that's an I because all the other letters in like our list, okay, the first okay. letters capitalized. So it's like, oh, that's a capital I, but it was a lowercase L. How good? Okay, Lonnie. Man, okay, this, okay, this, okay. This isn't on me, man. <laughs> all right. His question is, how good would a running back have to be in theory to justify a first round pick? I think they'd have to be a top 10 ish player in the class like overall talent wise when you stack them up they're they're a guy getting taken kind of in that top 10 range regardless of positional value i think what the rule of thumb with quarterbacks that i've always heard is like move them up half a round so if a guy's a late first round grade on a big board but they're a quarterback like move them up half a round and then they're an early first or if they're a mid second then maybe they're a late first round pick something like that with with running backs, I almost like this is completely unscientific, but would go the opposite way and say like move them down a half round grade. Like a guy like Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, who I who I really liked last year and had very high grades on. I thought they were top ten players in the class. Like I would have been comfortable towards the end of the first round. Like there's really not thirty two first round caliber players in a in a draft. So once the guys you deem that are off the board, and they are off the board by the end of the first, there's never 40, sorry, there's never 40, like, for you should never have 40 first-round grades unless it's, like, an amazing class. But, like, once all the other first-round graded guys are off the board and you've got a guy that you really like and talent-wise is at the top of the class, I, I would take them at the back of the first. But they'd have to be pretty much good in every single area of playing running back. I think the correct answer is that you probably never ever should. Yep. I do I do think that's the correct thing. However, I do get it, you know. Like I I, I have no complaint over the Brees Hall or, or Kenneth Walker picks because those guys are awesome players and you want awesome players. But I think from a purely like what is the best way to build a team, the answer is that you should never ever do it. A running back is never ever worth that much. But like would if I was sitting at pick 30 or whatever and Bijan Robinson was there, would I think about it? Yeah, right. I would think about it for sure. Man, I, I even understand the Cowboys drafting Ezekiel Elliott at four. I'm not saying I condone it, but I do understand you got to go watch the guy in college, right? But same with Saquon, yeah, like Saquon right. in college yeah, is like, just like there's just no way that he's bad unless he gets hurt, like and which obviously he did and it was. Not well, for a while. and that that's really the big problem is that when you take a running back in the first round, you're kind of committing to that guy being a workhorse, right? You're like, okay, we we're now paying this guy first round money. We're going to use him as such. And it's the same thing like when the Cowboys gave Zeke that big deal and everyone's like, why does Zeke keep getting uh, the ball so much? It's because they have to, to justify paying him as much as they are. And running backs just, they don't, you do not, you cannot take that many hits. You cannot, like, you are basically guaranteed to get hit on every single play as a running back. So Saquon had 352 touches his first season, right? 350 hits, 300 plus hits on a season. You just cannot sustain that. And that's, that's really the biggest problem. It's like, if you take a running back in the second or third round, well, then you can dial back a little bit and still have a great player, but now you're not like stuck into this big deal and you don't have to constantly feed them the rock and you're not screwed if, if you know, it doesn't work out for you. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, go ahead, Matt. I think the other thing is like, if you draft a running back in the first round, can you commit to drafting a guy that high who you probably should not give a second contract? Because not only, yeah. like, we can argue about value this, value that for running backs, whether or not, uh, no matter how good they are, they're worth the 30th pick. But pretty, I think, pretty plainly and across the board, giving a running back a second contract is a bad idea and ends poorly 99% of the time. And the history of Super Bowl winners is that they're never paying their running backs or they're never investing in a running back 
And so if you're, if you're picking a guy that high, is it acceptable to be somebody who you shouldn't, you know, going in, you shouldn't give a second contract? I don't know. I think it's tough. We're getting yeah. blocked by Bijan Robinson after this podcast. I, well, Bijan, I still though, think it's so justifiable it's to take them late in the first. I really do. I, I like, because especially because of their rookie season, like who cares how much, like they're not making any money, right? It's not like you're, you know, there's that Super Bowl graphic where the highest paid rusher in the Super Bowl is making peanuts every year for, since like, <laughs> however, for however long, right. which is true. Um, Although I think the leading rusher in one of those Super Bowls is listed as Percy Harvin when that team did employ Marshawn Lynch. So that one was a little bit misleading. But overall, like Bajan Robinson would be making the amount of money basically in the late first round that a lot of those other guys are making. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're paying yes, them $12 million. So it's it like right off the bat. Um, and if they, no, like no one could tell me that Nick Chubb is not valuable to the Browns or Derrick Henry is not valuable to the Titans. Like I get that the positional value is like, I'm not going to fight that. Like the running backs are probably the least valuable position. The pay basically fleshes that out. You look at the NFL agrees, like that's a pretty universally uh, accepted fact at this point, but no one's getting fired. If you take Brees Hall, like no one is regretting the Kenneth Walker pick. It's you are keeping your job. You are, it's looking fine. Like if you're getting an impact player that you can hand the ball off to, it matters in the playoffs. I do think, well, maybe it doesn't because none of the running backs get paid anything <laughs> who in the Super Bowl. But I do think that it is good to be multifaceted uh, in yes. the playoffs. And if you can get a, a guaranteed workhorse that checks all the boxes and that's what it would take. Like you need to have good contact balance. You need to have home run speed. You need to have size. You can't have any injury concerns. You got to be able to catch the football and blocking I really liked Kenneth Walker and, and, and Hall, so they weren't great blockers in college. But you'd like to see that as well. They need to check basically every single box, and then I can make them a first-round running back if they do that. That prospect does not yeah. come along very often. Um, Robinson, maybe. I don't think he's super explosive. I don't think he has crazy home run speed. So not not even he checks every single box to me. But he would be. he checks a lot of the other ones. So... Yeah, and he, even, he would, even I, would, I would start to consider it if everyone else I liked was like off the board. Then I'd be like, I mean, Gay's pretty much guaranteed to be a, a pretty productive player. Like, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to get fired if I take this guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nick Chubb is widely considered a top two, top three back in the NFL now, but he was in the same class as Saquon, right? And a lot of people said the Browns should have taken Saquon number one overall. But looking back now, it's like, well, no, they made the right move not taking Saquon and getting Nick Chubb later on. That that ended up being a good deal for them. And and almost nobody does it realistically. I mean, you look at the how many how many running backs have been drafted in the top ten in the last ten years. I think the answer is maybe four: one by Jerry Jones and then two by Dave Gettleman. So it's it's. <laughs> It's pretty much totally <laughs> gone. I think I think Saquon may be the last running back to ever get should be taken number one overall hype. Yeah, it could yeah. be a long time till we get that again. The league would have to change in a in a big way and there would have to be some big I don't know what would have to happen for that to ever happen again. But it would Box either have just to be a, so small. <laughs> it's just well, then anyone could do it, right? If their boxes were really right. small, they'd have to, if the boxes yeah. were getting really condensed and no one could run except for the special guys, then True. maybe there would be a world where they would be super valuable. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. But if the boxes were really small, you could throw anyone back there and have them pick yeah. up decent yardage. <laughs> I guess so that's fair. The boxes would have to be crazy condensed if there was ever a world where that happened. Um, or maybe there's just a prospect that averages like 10 yards a carry one day and people are like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm just Derek Henrying this and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. seeing how far he could take me. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got uh, another draft related question from Evan Troy 88. Where is the highest spot? It makes sense for a team to take a receiver in the draft. Number I would take one. a receiver number one. Like that should have happened last year in this draft or <laughs> like in, 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 the, oh, in this draft. Okay. That's a different, in, yeah. in, in all we'll drafts. I mean, yeah. Okay. In, this, in, in any draft, 
number one. Yeah. And I, when is the last time that that has ever happened? Has Keyshawn it ever Johnson. happened? Keyshawn Johnson, the oh, Jets yeah. drafted it's been a him long number one overall. Time. Yeah. Because Calvin didn't go number one. He went like number two or three. Right. I can't remember who the other really, really high. Amari Cooper got picked really high. But Jamar Chase was, was one of Jamar Chase was time. really, really high. Oh, you know who else? You know who else top five picked wide receiver? Corey Davis. Ah, yes, that is right. That was, True, that's right. But, but you know, the, the, these teams they get to in their head about size. That's that's what stops so many of these guys from actually being picked that high. You, there's just a, a limit on how how high they'll pick anybody unless they're like tall. And I think that's bogus. Yeah, like a I receiver. Think. I think for from the perspective of like a GM would or like a scouting team would not only have to be like the skill set of Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, they would also have to be like six four, two twenty. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just it's you just you're just not finding that. But in yeah. in this draft class, I don't know if I would take anybody in the top ten. I feel pretty confident saying that I wouldn't I think I'm not a big Quentin Johnston guy. I do like JSN, but I think after to be a top ten receiver, it's pretty tough. You got to have yeah. some real physical traits, I think, at some point. And I'm a bit. I, I think maybe people will get too worked up about that over Jason, especially if he like runs in the combine, which I'm guessing he's not going to. I, I don't know if I'd pick him that high, but right now that's my number one receiver, and I see him more as like like a, a around like maybe a, a teens type guy. Yeah, I've got I've got late first round grades on Addison and and JSN. I think they're like good pieces in receiving cores, like very good pieces in receiving cores, very reliable. You'd love them to have them on your team, but maybe not that one A type of threat right. that that Jamar Chase X receiver, explosive playmaker, turns around an offense, everything runs through him type of player. I don't think right. either is that. I think they're like like with JSN, like Amon Ross St. Brown, very, very, very good player. He's he's a little bit like him, but Amon Ross St. Brown is not quite at that like elite tier one level. Absolutely not. And I don't think that he he's going to get there. So that's kind of the ceiling, I think, for for JSN. Is, and that's a very good ceiling. Like, there are not yeah. that many receivers better. There's, like, not that many receivers better than Amon Ross St. Brown. There really aren't. Like, there's, you know, he's probably top 20, I would say. There's a lot of good receivers in the league. Uh, I, I would, I'll just say that. Top 20, top 20, 25. And no one's getting fired if you take Amon Ross St. Brown, like, anywhere right. in the draft. Like, that's a very – you hit on yeah. that pick no matter where it happens. So. Like I like JSN and I like Addison and Addison is a little bit small. Again, I think that he's not someone that you're going to, the offense is going to flow through him. He's this game breaking talent. No. So yeah, top 10 pick, probably not. But uh, yeah, I want to get like middle, middle of the first round and you really need a receiver. Um, the, 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 the free agent class is weak. Maybe there's no trades to make outside of D hop. If you miss out on D hop and you really need a receiver, I, I think you could take them, but not, not super, super high. Mid first yeah, round, like, definitely this class. Garrett Wilson last year could have gone number one overall, and you wouldn't have been mad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Several in the last several draft classes, uh, the best players from it have been wide receivers. It it feels <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think when you get a guy like you know what, maybe this question will be answered next year. We're going to see how high Marvin Harrison can go and that'll because he's tall and he's got every possible thing going for him. You know, the, the physicals dad, dad was a hall of famer. Yeah. Went to Ohio state. I mean, you can't ask for more. So however high he goes is how high people are willing to go outside of, you know, number one overall, because that's probably going to be Caleb Williams. But outside of that, he's going to be a top five pick. He's the chosen one. Hey, all I'm saying, Caleb Williams, minor down season potentially. Marvin Harrison has the season of a career. Yes, yes. The greatest. Another, he wins Heisman. I see it all coming together like that. <laughs> and, and an Ohio State receiver will go number one overall. This is the path. This is the way. So, yeah, but in general, yeah, you're fine taking one number one overall, I think. 
Yeah, I think the wide. The I think that question. this year oh. proved, or yeah, just with a, what AJ Brown did for Hertz and what Tyreek did for Tua yes. and 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 all that. Like a great wide receiver can be a massive boon for your offense and the <laughs> positional value. Great. Right, it can it can totally transform a team, and that's what you want with the number one overall pick, and that's what wide receivers can give you. Although I do think there are more good wide receivers than any other position in football, which is True. the one thing that maybe lowers their value a little bit. Is like, there's a, you're more likely to hit on a mid round wide receiver than probably any other position. in football. <laughs> there enough. seems to be a million of those. I mean, you can, you can be valuable and abundant. Like they're important. To there's have. levels to hitting on them is what it is. Right. You know, like is Traylon Burks a miss? no, but you can't – he's not one-to-one with like Olave or Wilson and that type of stuff. Yeah, you, can, right. you can be a solid wide receiver too. But the gap even, – even, even if there are a lot of good wide receivers, that top 10 great level is still game-changing. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah. All right. Next question is from Victor, Victor Olivo. Any teams currently in the NBA playoffs that you could see falling out? It's kind of what we were talking about with the Lakers. It's like, who could they jump? But uh, kind of the other way around, who could fall out? The Pelicans sadly uh, come to mind. Um, even yeah. though I, I do like the Pelicans. There's a world where they're not healthy enough. Zion's not healthy enough to, to carry him into the thing, I fear. Yeah, I'd say they're they're a team of pretty big concern. I, I really wonder how that's long term going to play out for them. I think Zion Williamson just totally can't come close to playing a full season. Um, so they're in there. The Nets are an obvious one. You know, they just traded everybody away, but they're kind of interesting because you know, obviously, like they've still got a lot of really good pieces, and they've got a pretty decent lead right now as the five seed. So are they going to have time to blow it? I'm not 100% sure. The Knicks are sitting right there at the sixth seed. Are we saying fall out of the playoffs mean like in the play-ins? Uh, I'm not entirely I'd be worried sure. About, it's not specified. I'd be worried about the Heat, too. Their offense is miserable. Uh, and I'm, I'm, they've, they've made some additions that I don't think really change too, too much for them. Uh, and they, they obviously didn't do anything at the deadline. Outside of that, I think teams kind of are where they are a little bit. I wonder if maybe the West being so close could have, like, the Kings are the three seed right now. I wonder if they could drop down a little bit, but I think there's very little chance they're out of the playoffs entirely. So I don't know. That's a good question. Probably the Nets and the Pelicans are the two teams that I'd be worried about. Yeah, I could maybe say if you wanted a a real shocker, could potentially... Oh, I don't know if this is even true, but the Clippers are way overperforming their efficiency right now. When it, when you look at like where they rank as the four seed in the ret, in the West, mm-hmm. um, they're not really that efficient. They're in between what like Chicago and Atlanta in the efficiency metrics that I'm looking at the uh, efficiency differential. So there's a world where they regress a little bit. If the Lakers charge up or some other teams charge up, I could, yeah, they're maybe... only two games out of the plans right now. Yeah. That's, that's a totally reasonable tech. That's another good one. They yeah, are I think wonky. They're just a weird team. They they did weird shit at the deadline. Um, yeah. <laughs> trading. Uh, who am... was the guy they traded to the Grizzlies? Was it uh, the three point shooter? white guy why can't i th- um luke Kennard. yes they traded luke. i thought that was just kind of a strange like oh you have this good spacer and knockdown shooter and you're a contender and you just traded him away like, i i i was not quite sure what they were doing at all so i i i don't know <laughs> they they seem like a team yeah. that could you know and Kawhi is always so injury prone and and they i could see them slipping out of it but they're the four seeds so who knows if that's realistic? They have they have the high. I think talent, I think the West but. is close enough to where if you want if you want like a real answer to this question, other than like I think the eight seed could lose one game <laughs> and, and, and not spots. be in the okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, with with the Clippers a hundred percent. And and I I didn't 
I didn't love their deadline. The Plumlee trade was really great. He's been playing really well, and you got him for that nothing. But um, Eric Gordon, 34-year-old Eric Gordon, this does not move the masses. And Bones Highland, I get it. I get the hype. You know, he's he's still at a point in his career where he's he's, you know, questionable to see playoff time and shooting under 40% from the field. And I, I just don't know if they solved their guard problems as much as maybe the, the names that they've got would suggest that they did. Poor Clippers. They're, they're screwed. I fear. <clears throat> All right. We got from Jerry Tillery. Jerry oh. Tillery's in the- <laughs> I don't know if I want it hear his question. It's, it's an NBA question. You're okay. Oh, he's You're a basketball fan. He's not he familiar is. with my game, luckily. <laughs> he hasn't been watching. Yeah, he's like, oh, Jokic, I love this he, podcast. This, this is- he, missed, he missed all of my videos on him, luckily. <laughs> he listens yeah, to the podcast, but doesn't follow me on social media, apparently. <laughs> if Jokic were to win another MVP, where would that place him all time? Probably flirting with 20s, right? I mean, what? how many years has he been really good? Six? Seven? Yeah, he five. would. I mean, this is such a, a difficult question to answer. It's hard to be much higher than 20 if you don't get one in the consensus rankings. And I, I'm not like 1,000% confident that this current Nuggets core is going to get one. They're very good, but we kind of... I could totally see a world where it doesn't happen. However, three straight MVPs is pretty amazing. I would say 20. Flirting with 20 sounds about fair. There's only so much you can judge when the guy is under 30 years old. But especially with like Giannis is on the come up and Giannis is probably in that, that range now. Is he better than Dirk? Is he considered better than Kevin Garnett? Those are probably some of the names that He's got to continue. Is he better than Oscar Robinson? That Those are probably the players who he's competing with. And I would say that it looks like he's going to finish better than those guys. But I, I think the the if he wins his third straight MVP, people are really going to hate him. They really <laughs> do not want him to win this third MVP. And it's tough because he's kind of won it with a couple of different approaches to the narrative. And that makes people mad. Like he won it. Because his team was so banged up and he still had him flirting with 50 wins and he was the most valuable player. And right. he, he just plays every game and Embiid like misses like a good 10 to 15 every year. And that just makes it hard for him to win. But now on the other hand, you've got him where it's like he's averaging a triple-double and he's got the one seed in the West. Right. And it's like, dude, I, I don't know. I'd say around 20 sounds fair to me. But you'd actually have to sit down and draw up the list. Yeah, I'm looking I'll, at Bleacher uh, I'll, Report's I'll put it back top. Up on, uh, I'll put it back up on my website, the ranking quiz, and we can we can hash through it. Yeah, I am looking at Bleacher Report's top 100 players of all time, and I see names like Scottie Pippen at 25. I'd put him above 25 and Scottie Pippen. But then right, after, right below Scottie Pippen is Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne Wade was such a good guard mm. for such a long time, and he you know, won all these rings and is he better than Jokic all time? I don't know. It, that gets, that get, that's an interesting question. You get Dr. J at 24, you get John Stockton at 23. You, I think once you get into the, the high twenties, low teens, you start having some really interesting conversations. You get Charles Barkley at 18 on this list, Moses Malone at 17, Carl Malone at 16. I think once you get to maybe like that Carl Malone, KG, Hakeem Olajuwon uh, level in like the mid 10s or the mid teens, then you start putting these guys above Jokic, but like pretty. Three straight MVPs is crazy, but you got to realize it's like. Well, let's say say he doesn't win it this year. But he just gets like another one in the next like few years. Oh, if he gets like a, a ring, ring, then he's if he gets really if he gets a ring, there. then he's 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 pushing top fifteen. But I think I think I think Pippen overweight is kind of bogus. To be I think so too. I'm actually I'm this is the first list I pulled up, and I'm I, I disagree with a lot of the things on here. I'm sorry all, to all of my listeners. Mm-hmm. 
When did I it come out? That's that, a, I believe that list came out yeah. years and years ago. I think I've looked at it before. That that could be true. Sometimes you'll click on a I just needed a, I just needed a basketball uh, and it'll come out. No, 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 no. I just I totally need a, get or at it. least the stay hot article on the top thirty basketball. Twenty fifteen. So yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, but that's pretty I guess dated. I guess Wade had already completed most of his career. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Wade did anything to move him up the list post twenty fifteen, really. Nah, he, he just a few became more happier. He became happier but, and everyone loved him more. Adam Fromall, you don't know ball, Adam Fromall. I'm coming <laughs> This is a kid from eight years in the future to tell you that your list sucks. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, yes, I think with and I and I don't think it really even matters if he wins MVP in my book or not, because or in the real book, because in my book, he's doing what he's doing. Right. This is his third year where mm-hmm. he probably deserves an MVP. So whether he actually gets the award or not, he's still doing what he's doing so i guess it's the other question with this is like how much does he actually need the nba in like the mvp award to move up like to me just the fact that he's doing this is moving him up whether they recognize him or they want to recognize someone else who is having a fantastic season doesn't really change my mind about the season that he's having and he ranks like what, what he does the next 20 games or so doesn't really change where he ranks he doesn't have a lot at stake with this award in in my personal book. So I guess that's the other question is where does he rank all time with another MVP? I mean, unless he sucks over the next 20 games, which he's not going to like he's won MVP. He's, he's had an MVP caliber year and should move up accordingly in, in, right. in my train of thinking. So I guess that's fair. The same <laughs> is the basic boring answer is with or without an MVP, he ah. will, he will just, rank in the in like the high 20s at this point to me i would say or mid 20s deal with the politically correct answer boo sorry all right sorry everybody last last question is from our producer daniel and this question is directly to you matthew Sponauer. does hornets legend cody zeller move the needle for miami yes <laughs> for starters, for starters, they've gained one more jersey sale, which is big for the brand as a whole. But who, um, who was who bought the jersey? I'm going to me, <laughs> but um, I I don't know. I mean, I, their additions. Thankfully, they're getting much younger with their Kevin Love and Cody Zeller additions, and much healthier too, which they desperately need. I. I think that I have not really watched Cody Zeller ever since he left the Hornets. I have not seen much of him. I'll tell you this. There was a point in time when he was a very, very good player. I swear to God, he used to be very respectable. Not for, you know, where he got drafted. Granted, that's not his fault. But he used to be very good. And I would assume that he cannot possibly worse be worse than Dwayne Dedman, who was, I think, probably the worst player in the NBA, who was getting serious minutes. Uh, when he was playing, I mean, is is Cody mobile at this age? I don't know, but neither was Dwayne Dedman. Oh my God, who had to be the? I I, I believe I, I looked that up, and he was the worst pick and roll defender. Um, he can he, he he was strictly drop coverage, and even then, he wasn't actually stopping anybody in drop coverage. So, you know, I, I get it with with the Heat, but this is pretty. They got. I made a video about them. They either got to be serious about trying to win with Jimmy Butler and go make the big move, or just not be. But the 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 deadline for them was pretty weak, and and buyout market moves. I'm incredibly unmoved by ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time. Yeah, I'm looking at his numbers right now, and the last time we saw him, he was had a three hundred thirty five minute season, which is not very many at all in Portland and he was still a very good long mid-range shooter and ranked pretty highly in points per shot attempt for a big in the 69th percentile and also could was playmaking a little bit so last time we saw him he did offer a little something on offense I don't know about his defense because I'll be honest I 
don't think I've ever watched a Hornets game from <laughs> all the way to the beginning to all the way at the end, just <laughs> to be wow. completely honest yeah. with you guys. <laughs> Can't believe this. I'd say this Dan- is, yeah, Daniel I mean, just put a frowny face in, in our rundown. <laughs> sad. It's okay, man. If, if you're a center and you're getting 12 minutes a night for Portland the last time you played, you, you probably suck, I'm afraid. So... He hasn't. I mean, he's he's incredibly injury prone too. I think he played eighty games one time in his career, and like seventy one other time. And it's he really was pretty decent at one point, but we're probably past that point. And I would say, oh no, man, there 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 was some better center options that they could have gone out and got. I thought if they really wanted to go get a backup big, but it doesn't seem like they really want to be that aggressive. And I, I don't know. If you guys They're saw that Packers. Pat Riley They're napping report and blah, 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 but they are They're kind the, of the Packers. They're the Green Bay Packers. They've got this core that, you know, they get a little bit farther than the conference finals uh, recently with a, with a finals appearance, but they're just, their window was never quite there. <laughs> like it's, it's always there, but it's never quite, it, it, kind of closed the best opportunities closed a while ago and they're just kind of coasting and that's kind of how i feel about green bay and that's where the heat are at and yeah this is a very packers type of season for them where they're underwhelming and the offense is really ugly and yet here they are with a chance to make the playoffs at the end i wonder how this will go (laughs) surely it'll go well hopefully better than yeah i mean but and 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 God bless them. The, the turnaround from making the finals with LeBron in 2014 to making the finals again with a completely different core is pretty darn impressive in the NBA. I mean, you almost don't ever see a team do that. Make the finals with two different cores in, a, what, a six, seven-year span? Really right. think back. How many times has that ever been done? Very, very few times. But... And, and Pat Riley deserves a lot of credit. He's been legendary for a long time. But I kind of think making the finals and going to six is probably all you can do if you don't have a top five. Um, I don't want to say that, but if you don't have a generational talent, and I, I love Jimmy, and he plays amazing in the playoffs, but it's tough. It's, it's, a, it's a tall task. I mean, if you, yeah, they weren't going to win the finals against LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know, especially in 2020. So I don't, I don't know what they're going to do long term. I don't know either. I think it's going to okay. look very different pretty soon here. I would have to imagine. It just feels I have like no it's coming. idea. But we'll see. This, this may be it for Pat Riley, though. Know. I mean, he's damn near eighty. That is true. <laughs> that is an yeah. old guy. Elderly, ancient. But yeah, we don't have any more questions from the chalkboard. So uh, yeah, I, I heard one more that I liked that maybe I could talk to. I, we're at the one hour mark. But there was yeah. one more that I liked. I don't know who wrote it, but it was how does this year's Edge class compared to last year's Edge class? And I've gotten done watching the main characters of this Edge class. Who was it all last year? It was Kayvon. It was Hutchinson. And then who did we have? After? Trayvon Walker. We had Karloftis. We had Trayvon. Oh, well, yeah. Trayvon Walker went one. Duh. Um, but honestly... I think that it's better, even though we had three guys go in the top five last year, Thibodeau, Walker, and Hutchinson. I wasn't super high on Walker. I was decently high on Thibodeau, and I was about consensus with, or maybe not consensus, but like I thought Hutchinson was fine. I didn't like him as much as Thibodeau, but I thought he'd be pretty good. This year, you've got Tyree Wilson, who I think is pretty similar to Thibodeau overall, like someone without a lot of pass rushing moves. His hands aren't great. He doesn't have moves outside of the long arm and the bull rush, which he uses over and over again. But Um, he just makes plays, man. But yet still, his pressure rate is very high, even though he just is extremely raw. He has the very high pressure rate, which is what I liked about Thibodeau, because then I'm like, well, just imagine when he gets coached up a little bit more, like just from the starting point as a raw prospect, he's good. Uh, So you got Tyree Wilson, who I think is Thibodeau-esque. Thibodeau has a much more explosive first step than than Tyree Wilson does, who always is laid off the ball and taking false steps, which is a problem. Um, So they're they're kind of comparable, I think. And then 
You've got, I think, Nolan Smith, who I really like, and I might like better than, I think he's more well-rounded and bendier and um, maybe even, I don't know if he's more explosive than Thibodeau, but more explosive than Hutchinson, I think. But I, I think that he might be better than those guys. And then there's Will Anderson, who's better than than those guys. So I, I do think that this year's edge class is a little bit better at the top, but I like Carl Loftus way more than I like Miles Murphy and, yeah. and even Van Ness. I like that. I liked him a lot. Um, Trayvon Walker is, was a, was a good like physical prospect. Like I think he's way better than Miles Murphy. And again, Van Ness. <laughs> I haven't watched the Will, uh, Will McDonald tape or the guy from Kansas state yet. So we'll see. But overall, I, I think that this is a bit better at the top, but maybe the depth, I think the depth might be a, a bit, I don't know if fraudulent's the word, but a bit underwhelming. Like, yeah, it's just not as deep. Yeah, maybe. That's kind of where I'm leaning right now. I guess that's fair. That question was from Taylor Swift, by the way. Wow. Uh, so, for all you some Swifties big, big out names, there. Her and Taylor. Some big days, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> we're, putting, we're putting Taylor Swift on the same level as Jerry Tillery, man. She's really I'm moving up to. in the world. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all we're gonna get all the Swifties now from, from that question. But uh yeah, I don't I don't really have anything else. So yeah, we'll probably do another one of these relatively soon. because uh, we're kind of in a a rut as far as there's, uh, sh- there's not shit happening in sports right <laughs> there's now. There's the all star, there's Matt McClung. Shout out him, <laughs> I, dude! I I care so like I, I I'll be completely honest. I did not even watch the dunk contest. Neither did I. I haven't watched that, a single that's, 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 game. That's thing. a show me show me the good ones on Twitter thing. Yeah, you know if I if I really wanted something to tweet about, maybe I'd watch it. Like <laughs> just a like three the point man. contest. Oh my god, I don't care. After I'm watching Jalen Green, I watched Jalen Green every dunk attempt that he failed last year, and I said I don't need to. <laughs> this is not must see TV. <laughs> now, apparently, it was a really good one, and I, and I feel like I missed out a little bit. But like, dude, I just have no faith that I'm not going to go watch like some What's dude the with a bus chain <laughs> miss seven times. I'm good. What's the Nick Bosa quote? That sounds like a good battle that I will not be watching. <laughs> That's Matt McClung versus whoever the challenger is next year. <laughs> that sounds it's going to be battle. like the professor. They're going to get like the professor out, out here. Be watching. But yes, <laughs> but, um, I'll probably watch the all-star game. Oh, yeah. I did yeah. not watch any of the the three-point contest. I was glad to see Lillard won. I was surprised it wasn't like some no-name, like, I don't know. It was a good three-point. Bryn Forbes wasn't out there. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's just some like, shooting a, coach a they NBA found on player. the street. Yeah, lethal, they had lethal shooter out there. But, um. <laughs> Facts. But yeah, so make sure you guys join the chalkboard. Get us to 5,000 so you can tell Theo what to do for an entire day. And uh, go ask us some more questions. We might answer them on TikTok. We might answer them on here. But until next time, thank you all for tuning in. And from Corn Boy, Bird Boy, and Lemon Boy, we will catch you all on the flippity flop. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.